0: Welcome to The Pure Perspective. This podcast is made possible by Ascend Mental Wellness. It is based on personal experience and perspective. It is not intended to replace therapy or medical advice. My name is Ginger and I will be your host. And I am her co-host, Michelle Morehouse. On today's show, we're going to discuss mental health and first contact, a journey of self-discovery. Joining us today is our guest, Steve Bacchus, our front desk coordinator from Kaleo Counseling.
1: Steve, can you tell us a little bit about what you do?
2: I can. Uh, I am the first point of contact for anybody that is seeking mental health counseling through our organization. Uh, When people call the office or they walk into the office, I am the first person they will talk to or see. Uh, And it is my job to make them feel safe, make them feel welcome, and help them get the help that they're looking for.
0: Our mental health needs attention and care, just like our physical health. Mental health issues affect everyone, and early intervention is key to managing and overcoming them. When we're discussing mental health, we're referring to the psychological and emotional well-being of individuals. So things like just managing anger or conflict resolution, learning how to manage feelings in general. Once someone has
1: sought out help, whether from early intervention on the part of someone they know
0: or their self, what is the first step? The first step is finding out where you want to search for that help from. Finding who, what organization, what individuals, what type of support it is that you want and need and find locating that.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, uh, aside from figuring out where, uh, first step is realizing that you need to seek help. Um, It's uh, very important to, you know, constantly take stock of ourselves and check in with ourselves, make sure that we're doing okay and realizing that if we need help, it is okay to seek it out.
1: Steve, when you have an individual that comes in, what is the first step
2: on their end that they make with you? Sure. So, you know, sometimes we do have walk-in people that just walk into the clinic. Uh, You know, the first step is just walking up to the desk and saying that they are here seeking help.
1: Ginger, now from the dual recovery aspect, what is the first step someone may take with you or you take with them?
0: Um, there's several different approaches Uh, we have a lot of partners in the community so sometimes an individual is introduced to me through one of the other agencies Um, sometimes it's someone that comes in and participates in one of the dual recovery groups that i do Um, but once that first contact is made the the next step is to for the two of us to arrange for a time to sit down and talk one-on-one Uh, privately about what their needs are. Okay.
1: Do you believe that early intervention is an essential component to an individual's first step? Absolutely. What do you think are some examples of intervention that may happen or may occur?
0: Preferably, the person is ready to make some changes on their own um old-fashioned interventions that, that were real common at one time um are finding aren't as successful as other methods are today so when an individual is ready on their own then being able to open up and talk and let us know what they are willing to look at and what they're not
2: yes that is a, a very important distinction uh you know, that, that classic intervention style can feel very uh, assaultive to a person that, you know, may or may not know that they do need help. Um, so it is always very important for the, the person that needs the help, needs to realize it and want it for themselves. Do individuals seek clinical
1: services or in a dual recovery scenario often find it difficult to reach out?
0: absolutely <laughs> it's it's very hard to first of all admit to ourselves that we have an addiction or that we have a struggle with mental health and don't know how to manage it so yeah that first realization I remember myself the first time saying I have this problem it's kind of sent chills down my spine it's not Nobody wants to say, I've got a problem with anything, especially with things that have stigma and have um, a lot of judgment around them. So absolutely, it's very hard to take that first step.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think Ginger covered it all there. It is, uh, it's is—it's extremely difficult to take that first step. Um, you know, a, a lot of times people will uh, have other people in their life tell them that they should be taking that first step and... It can become really easy to, uh, you know, have conflict with the people in your life that are trying to help you, Uh, but if, you know, you don't realize that you're ready to take that first step, it can be very difficult.
1: More from your perspective, like the contact that you have with people, initiating that first conversation, that first appointment from intake to when they meet with a clinician or whoever they may meet with, whether... Somebody in the community, or themselves, is there certain tactics you have to use to get them comfortable speaking
2: with you? Uh, yeah. Some sometimes when people will call the office, they uh, very often I will hear that they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what the first step is, and the first thing I say to everyone is that they've already taken the first step by calling me, um, and from there, you know, I do my best to help them facilitate telling me what they need help with Uh, you know it's part of the intake process is figuring out uh, what they need help with so we can help them the best that we can. Um, So yeah it it just becomes a matter of I I I do my best to just create a very calm environment for them to speak to me.
1: Ginger you find that's very similar in the safe space you try to create in your one-on-ones?
0: Very much so. And another big piece of it um, that I try to incorporate is helping them to recognize that what they are bringing and saying, you know, I've got a problem with this or I feel like that, that my own remembering my own experiences, that fear of not knowing, uh, thinking that I'm abnormal. And here I am telling this big secret that I have and that I'm abnormal. So trying to help them recognize that their feelings are not abnormal. The situations that they have, definitely hard. And that's why they're here. That's why they're searching and they're doing the right thing by asking for help. Just trying to give them that little bit of comfort and um, helping them see that, yes, it's a difficult situation, but it is not necessarily abnormal, that there are a lot of people that feel the way they do or have the circumstances that they have. So when individuals are reaching out,
1: obviously, you know, sometimes they take that first step themselves. Other times it's due to early intervention from others, family members. What are some ways that you have come across in your line of work how others
2: have encouraged them to reach out. Uh, it, it's kind of hard sometimes, uh, specifically for me up at the front desk. A lot of times I will get phone calls from uh, concerned parents or family members uh, that are calling on, the, on behalf of somebody else. Uh, and s- sometimes they, the other person will not know that this person is calling. They're, they'll be calling for information um, you know, try to set something up, uh, but i I do always tell them, and it is very important that the other person definitely needs to be aware uh, that this is going on. Uh, we all, we also need to speak with them directly when we do our intake process at Caleo.
0: the The different avenues that people can be introduced to me. sometimes it involves um, a, a legal angle. So there may be somebody being referred to me that, um, from a legal perspective, they believe they need some support. And again, it's the, it's the same thing. Um, that person's really got to be willing. And when there's legal issues involved, sometimes they're willing in that moment because they're in hot water or something, um, and then we we lose contact. Or when I do try and make that reach to them, the referral to me, then I try and contact them. Um, it's a lot of times not as successful, but it's not for lack of trying. The person needs to be ready and willing to at least listen or have a conversation. Now, going off of that, do you guys find
1: that the biggest hurdle in the point of contact for most individuals being that?
2: The willingness, I, I would say so, yeah. Uh, there you know there are other factors, of course, um, but I, I think people's willingness to seek that help is definitely a a large hurdle. Uh, there there are people that can be in services for a period of time and then become unwilling after a certain point and then you know fall out of the system and it it becomes very difficult. the The willingness is an extremely important part.
0: And it's okay if, if that person doesn't know, like was mentioned before, doesn't know what to do. That That's okay. That's We're guides for that. We're here not to tell you what to do, but to give you share with you ideas or options or just kind of get your own thought processes going. If, I, you know, here's what I've done for that kind of situation, maybe you get an idea from that.
2: Yeah, it's not uh, It's not necessarily about telling people how to fix their lives. It's about enabling them to figure out how to make those changes for themselves and guide them that way.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Um, it's really, from a peer perspective, it's really just walking with them, um, kind of being that shoulder to lean on or look to and say you know am i am i doing okay because i know i was really unsure with a lot of things and that reassurance made a big difference so obviously you two have two extremely different experiences
1: when you're dealing with people with on both of the mental health aspects you have to go through an intake process you can meet them for coffee you can meet them where they're comfortable and those experiences can be so varying. What's your experience like during the intake process?
2: Uh, so most of the time it's, it's uh, pretty straightforward. It's a lot of demographic collection first off. Uh, really the, the big part of it comes at the very end of the intake. The last question on our intake form is uh, why are you seeking mental health services um, or treatment? And uh, that is usually the point when a lot of people will start explaining their situation and, you know, a lot, a lot of people will start to break down a little bit. They'll start to cry. And I always make sure that they have a, a space where they, they don't feel that they're wrong for doing that. Uh, so, I, I you know, I always do my best to just make sure that they know that they're doing the right thing by telling me and starting the process.
0: I'd agree with that, yeah. And because from a peer side of things, it is it is quite different. Um, as you'd mentioned, Michelle, it, part of helping someone be comfortable, I can meet them at a coffee shop or in the corner of the library, or we can meet someplace where, you know, maybe they're a little more comfortable. Um, make it a little easier for them to feel at ease, hopefully, starting to open and share and... Tell a little bit about what they're doing. It's really I'm here to listen. Um, it, it is about that person, so I want to hear what they've got going on. I want to hear how they're feeling, um, what they're going through, because then I you know maybe I can help connect them with resources. Maybe I can help them recognize that um, you know going for some support at some place like Kaleo would be a very beneficial thing for them. There's benefits to having the clinical support, um, and there's different benefits to having the peer support. So doing both is like a fantastic combination.
2: Yeah, it's perfect, and it, it works from the other way, too. There are a lot of times people will come in for services for mental health uh, and not realize that you know, their issues may stem from uh, somewhere else, and they might need that peer support.
1: So do you think one over the other has more bearing, or they just had that um, relationship, that dual relationship of
0: working together? I think they they work well together. I know for myself, um, having a, a counselor or a therapist was very key in helping me to start kind of getting my head back on straight and getting it, um, being able to think a little clearer, but to have the peers that understood where I was at and the feelings, understanding the feelings from I've been there, that was a different, um, very needed support. So I think the two work fantastic together, serving different needs, but both um, addressing the, the one need that the individuals seeking help for?
2: Yeah, I, uh, I definitely wouldn't say that one is more important than the other. Uh, you know, there are situations where maybe a person doesn't require both, uh, but I think in the situations where they could, could get help from both, it is very important to make sure uh, that you're receiving all of the help that you can and not just kind of uh, going halfway there
1: what is your biggest tip for family members, friends, neighbors, or coworkers that are trying to help these individuals?
0: Um, patience. And I know that that can run thin because when you're talking family members and close friends, um, that that patience can run thin because it's been there for a while, most likely, but the listening, um, letting that person share their thoughts and feelings, letting them get what is inside out. Um, All that stuffing that I did, all that trying not to have feelings or not being willing to admit certain problems only made it worse. And I was the kind of person that if you told me I had something, I didn't want to hear that. I needed to figure it out for myself, so that listening, hearing myself tell somebody what was going on, I could walk away and sit there and think, oh my God, I did sound like this or that, or I can't believe, you know, it starts adding up for myself sometimes, so a lot of times the individual just having that opportunity to let it out and time to think about it afterward can be beneficial.
1: So, Steve, from taking that same context, obviously on the phone, you have p- parents, people that reach out on the phone with you. Do, obviously, if that person is not willing, what are so, some pieces that
2: you tell them to help them encourage those individuals? So, you know, like most things, it uh, has to start with a conversation. Uh, so, I always try to direct those parents or f- family friends or whatever it is, uh, to, to discuss with that person and, and you know, try to listen to them and figure out if that person thinks that they are ready or thinks that they need help. Um, because li- like we said earlier that, uh, you know, that willingness is extremely important and, you know, someone else could try to help set something up, but there's nothing they can do to force that person to come for help. So it, it, It does become very important to create a relationship with somebody that lets them know that you're supporting them and that you are there to try to get them help, and not that you're trying to fix them or do them a favor or something like that.
0: I also think that it's very important to address the family member the person that's trying to support someone Hey, they, they're going through struggles too. They, it might not be a bad idea for them to have a sounding board through a therapist or counselor um, to seek out some of the social supports like Al-Anon or um, some of the other family-type support groups. So the family members need support too.
2: That is a really good point. That is something that does come up kind of often uh, at Coleo. Uh, Someone will bring in a family member, usually their young child, uh, and we'll, we'll, you know, have a a clinical relationship with the child and start helping them. And then it becomes very apparent that the that the parent is struggling with this situation as well, and they could use our help. And there, I have seen very many parents uh, receive services from us after their child was receiving services.
1: Is there anything you want to share? About mental health
0: in general? Well, that we all have feelings. We all have to learn at some point how to manage them, how to cope with them, what are healthy and safe ways to express anger or healthy ways to allow a depression after a loss or after a struggle, finding those healthy ways to do it. And there are healthy ways. We have feelings and emotions for a reason. And finding and understanding, that's a big piece. And that's what we're here for.
2: Yeah, I think it's, it's really important to stress the difference between taking care of your mental health and uh, having a mental illness. They are different things. Uh, you don't only take care of yourself when you're sick need to take care of yourself when you're healthy as well and it's the same for the brain uh you know it's the same for your emotions same for your psychological state it's you don't always just want to wait until you're sick uh you know mental health is about coping with your life stresses and contributing your, to your community and things like that uh, and it's different for mental illness which uh you know it involves distress or changes in emotions and behavior um or or you know Problems that may arise with your social life or your family life. Uh, I, I think it's important to, you know, work, exercise more or less your mental health before there is an issue.
1: Ginger, thank you, Steve, thank you for joining us today and for providing a perspective for those who are struggling to have a voice from themselves. Themselves. Is there anything else you'd like to add?
2: Uh. I would like to add that it is never too early or too late to seek mental health help.
0: It's time for us to prioritize mental health in our daily lives. Um, Share this podcast with someone that you know that may need to hear it. Remind yourself and others that they are not alone. Every one of us matters. Uh, We all make a difference in this world. We all have a purpose. Sometimes we just need a little help finding it.
1: Join us next
0: time for Coping with the Holidays, Self-Awareness, and Self-Checks. Follow us on our socials and check out our website at ascendmw.org for updates, resources, newsletters, and podcasts.